Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So welcome back to the second part of this special chat we're having with Brian Horton. It's me, Peter and Andy Bravery um, with Brian Horton, legend of the club. Um, we've had a great chat in the first part of this conversation about your upbringing and playing career and, and the stuff to do with the Albion in particular. Um, we will, in this part, get on to talk about your management in a little bit more detail and what's been going on since um, and what you think is going to happen in the upcoming games the Albion have got as well. But first to mention, we are sponsored by Seagulls Over London, who can be found at www.seagullsoverlondon.com um, for any details on membership and other inquiries, um, as always. And the three of us are all members, aren't we, Peter and Andy? Um, and as such, we, um, we're obviously... Delighted to have you with us, Brian. And what we wanted to do in this second part then was just to talk about the management. Um, but before we do, I think, Andy, you were, you were going to come back in with another question, weren't you, to do with um, leaving clubs as a player? Well, yeah, and I, and I guess you could even translate that into um, when you're a manager, when you've certainly served as long as Brian did in football. And I just wondered how a player psychologically deals with... I was just thinking about what you'd said about Port Vale and then Brighton, that... You know, one day you're 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 playing a football match, and then that night you might be moving, and and how you deal with that psychologically? Because obviously, once you've made the move, then you're performing for the new team. I just wondered how you kind of cope with that, Brian. It's it's difficult. Like the the, the, the Port Vale one, I knew nothing about, but they obviously, which you said, they needed the money, and uh, and and it was time for me to go, and it was a fantastic move to come to Brighton. The Brighton to Luton one was totally different because I didn't want to leave Brighton. I got another year of my contract to go. We just stayed up by winning those four games. And I thought we'd be playing, you know, uh, Division One football the following year. And all of a sudden, within a matter of days, we, we, we've, we've gone. Um, but you have to make the most of it, which, which I did. David Pleat made me captain straight away. Um, great players that I joined. David Moss, Ricky Hill, Brian Steen, Paul Walsh came in late, a bit later on. We had a really, really good team. And then... I could have probably stayed because I got another year left on my contract at Luton when Hull City came. They asked David about my situation of being player manager. He recommended me. 
along with Jack Charlton. God bless him, Emily Hughes. God bless him. And some top people in football recommended me to Don Robinson. Uh, I met Don. Don was an ex-wrestler and he was a self-made multimillionaire from Scarborough. Knew nothing about football. And he admitted that. I met him in Leeds for 10 minutes. He offered me the job within 10 minutes. That's what I'll pay you. That's what it is. But you take it or leave it. Uh, and I want to know in the morning. That's how, that's how sudden that was. So I had to make my mind up. I spoke to, had to speak to people quickly about Hull City again. Another, you know, sleeping giant, basically. Big, big city. Miles and miles from anywhere. Going completely the other way. Up to Hull, Yorkshire. And um, that was a hard decision. But one that I thought at 34 again, thought quickly about it. It's maybe time, you know, there is coming to play at the top level. So why not go in as player manager? And it worked. I got promotion my first year again. Uh, Steve McLaren, Billy Whitehurst, had some good players. And uh, again, we should have won the league that year, in my opinion. But we were up again and a couple of games to go. And once, once you're up, sometimes it's a very hard thing to keep it going. Uh, but had five wonderful years there with a, with a great chairman who never, never interfered in one football decision all the time I was there. It was, it was just fantastic times with him. Do you find it in a way, in a way easier when you were player manager? Because you could, it wasn't, you know, if you were a manager, it must be all quite difficult if players don't follow your instructions and things go wrong. But if, at least if you're on the pitch, you've got like some sort of control or was it quite a tough thing to balance the two? It's a hard thing to do. I'll just tell you one story. We, we were four one down at uh, late Norrent at half time. And we, we were near the top of the league and we were absolutely awful. And I was playing the game. So I said to my number two walking off, I said, get into him. I said, get into him and get into me. First and foremost, get into me. And and he did, big style. And we ended up winning the game 5-4. So when, when, when you're in a team and he's playing badly and you're playing badly and you're the manager, it, it is a difficult situation. But when you come back and you win 5-4, it makes it an easier thing to do. Um, and it is tough because... You know, you're going out to watch players as a manager, you're going out Tuesday night, Wednesday night. It's not ideal preparation to be going into training next morning. You've been out late the night before and it, it was hard. But I did it, I did it for um, I did it for three years and then just started playing the reserves with the kids just to help them. And uh, it, 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 it finished a, a great career as a, as a so I was probably about 36 when I actually did retire. Um, had you always thought you were going to be a manager? Do you think from an early stage of your playing career, had you already considered it? Because I, I think a lot of players do, um, particularly if they've captain material, they tend to, I think. Was that the case for you? Yeah, it, it, it was. And um, as I said, I started my uh, coaching badges at, um, at the University at Brighton when, when I took my prelim down there. And um, so, yes, that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to, because I, probably because I'd been let go as a kid and what I'd done to go non-league back into the league and to Brighton and to, to, to well, particularly say at Brighton. And now I'm thinking, where's my next move? Didn't think it'd be that time. I thought I might have gone into the coaching staff at Brighton with, with Alan, if he'd have stayed and Ken Craggs. And so, but then I, when I got to Luton, David, who was really, really into his coaching side with the FA and stuff, uh, he, he was saying to me, it's time you did your badges, you should be doing Well, I'd said I've already started them. So, um, and he, he sort of was pushing me that way. Not that he wanted to get rid of me as a player, but when I was like 34, he was virtually saying, Hull are in for you, 
and I could have gone to other places, player coaches, and but that that one really wet my whistle basically to go as player manager at a big club like Hull City. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I was going to say you went to Hull, Oxford, Man City, Huddersfield, and then you you landed on the first of two roles with former clubs as a player, Brighton and Port Vale. Um, the year with Albion, ninety eight to ninety nine, obviously for us it had been a horrendous period off the field and in, in matters related to ownership and so on. Uh, too numerous to go into here. I'm sure you, you're aware of the background of it. Um, what, what was it like taking the job? Were you, were you um, reluctant given the circumstances at the time, um, albeit it was a club and a place you'd enjoyed being at before? No, I got a phone call from Dick Knight and, and uh, he met me at Mottramore, which is a big, beautiful hotel uh, not far from where I live. And uh, he was up on business school and he said, would you, would you meet me for just a coffee and talk about the Albion and, and what have you? And, and then he threw that at me about going back as, as manager. I looked at the situation and it was a, it was a tough decision. Um, you know, they got no ground. They got no mm. office. Derek Allen and Sally's secretary were working out of a, an office by, by the railway station in, in, in Brighton. Uh, no training facilities or training at the university and the pitch was like a quagmire. It was shocking. And playing, and playing at Gillingham, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it was just crazy. And it was only a club like Brighton. I've said this many times, the supporters again, taking, what, four or 5,000 to, to, to Gillingham. And, and, I, I look, and we, we stayed up. Just about stayed up because somebody went, I think, went down because of irregularities. But um, I thought, gosh, whatever come into here, you know. Anyway, so, so Dick Knight, it was just, it was just for that small period. And then Dick Knight and and, it, and his board talked me into staying again. So I said, well, if I'm staying, I'm changing some of the coaching staff. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing uh, Dean Wilkins in and 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 um, Martin Inchwood in to, to to start the youth policy off. The first team was second bottom of, of the bottom division. The reserves are bottom of the league. The youth team are bottom of the league. It was just absolutely gone. So I said to him, "Well, if I'm staying, I'm going to get I'm going to get about 18 players out, 18 in." And he went, "What?" And I said, "I'm going to get 18 out, 18 in." I said, "They're they're just used to losing. The, the whole football club is just is just full of just losing all the time. The reserves, the youth team." Everybody, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shake it up. I'm gonna do it, which I did. And one of the big things I got, I mean, it's it's in the book about Holsgrove. I signed Holsgrove on a fee. Never he played played preseason, played a game at Lewis in the, uh, preseason. We sold him for 110 grand, I think. So more than more than paid for my salary there. Okay, in that one free transfer in. But it was it was it was it was it was chaos in one way. Yet the, the players I bought in started that that spirit off again and. You know, to have to go, but that was the biggest part getting to players. To, one of them lived in Southampton, though some of the boys lived in London, and they were like to travel. I'm traveling from Manchester, I'm staying down there obviously all week because we're training, but then I go back home on a Saturday. My twins are growing up, and 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 it was it was hard, it was really hard on the fans, on the players, on the staff. But <clears throat> have you are you still there? Yeah, it's still there. We lost visuals, but we can still hear you at the moment, Brian. It, it'll go. It'll go off in a minute because somebody's just ringing me. So oh, okay. Yeah, he'll hang up in a minute. No problem. It's not David Pleat again, is it? <laughs> oh, he's got. He's frozen actually. <laughs> well, see if he comes back in. Peter. Oh, here we are. Yeah. 
So, so Steve Parkin, big friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Steve Parkin is a, a big friend of mine, and we worked together at all when we were together with Phil Brown. Um, so, so yeah, it was a hard time, hard time. But the sad part about it, we were in the playoffs when when I got a call from Port Vale about you know they wanted me to go back Port Vale. I got some more money because I got my year salary, which I know, I know is not. Because a lot of fans thought I'd let the club down in that way, and it, I, I felt it that way. That was, and I, and I, I mean it uh, really sincerely, was the toughest decision I ever had to make in football. Hmm. And had they been at the Goldstone, or, or even at, at um, sure, but to was incredible that year, and, and, and it just didn't happen but then they got back to Brighton and things started to happen again didn't it with the yeah that's right yeah we'd had a question actually from Duncan Rouse a friend of ours and a fellow member of Seagulls Over London he you pretty much answered it actually but he did say what made you leave for Port Vale when it looked as if the Brighton side that season might challenge for the playoffs I mean we said certainly had turned things around haven't we a bit I think at that point yeah I mean Port Vale were in a mess they were bottom of virtually bottom of the league in the championship yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm walking out of one where I've got it going again, or we've got it going. Because you know my staff, Jeff Wood, and and, and I said I mentioned uh, the other the other guys. Uh, we 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 got it going a little. Hmm. Yeah, but and they're doing a great job. But the championship at the bottom of the league. What am I doing? But I turned that round and we stayed up that season. So it was as I said before that that was probably the toughest decision I had to make. Um, but my children were going to school in in, in Manchester area. Um, am I going to move them down? Am I going to move again? It was it was messy, and it was it's just a shame. And it's one that I do deeply regret the fact that it, how it worked out. But luckily, they got back on track. They got back to to uh, with Dean and, and got the club going again. Yeah, I'll go to Peter in a second. Just one other follow up question from Duncan that we had. Uh, also, he said. Is he surprised? Are you surprised that the two clubs have ended up in such different um, positions in terms of uh, or different fortunes in terms of uh, where they've been since that time? Obviously, with Brighton doing so well and Port Vale have struggled somewhat um, in the lower reaches, haven't they? Continue to struggle, yeah. I should say. Yeah, they have, and and and, and finances come into it. I mean, mm. what what they've done for the football club at at Brighton is absolutely incredible with the with the, with the stadium. And Phil, Phil Brown and I, our youth team, when we were at, um, where would we be at? Uh, Swindon. The British got a, a friendly game playing Brighton kids at the new training ground. Went down, Chris Hooten was the manager at that time, and went down and have a look at it. Wow, what a training ground. So that's how it's developed, isn't it? The fact that mm. got, the training ground is is absolutely at this world. The, 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 the ground is absolutely incredible. And obviously the finances too to get better players in. And that's basically what it's all about. You know, it's, it's about finances. And so, that, that, you know, the bigger clubs generally do well, the smaller clubs struggle. And, yeah. and you know, that's that, the Brighton now until they can hopefully get to the next level then and start getting the, the bigger players in, because that's, that's what it'll take for Brighton to be, to be, you know, successful and, and, and maybe look at that top six or look at the top half and maybe look at Europe and stuff like that, which is what the Blooms deserve for what they've done at that football club. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter, back to you. Just a couple of questions around Gillingham. I mean, firstly, 
what you're saying, obviously, about how yeah, where the club was when you came in as manager and and being in the playoffs. I mean, how does that? How would you say that ranks in terms of your achievements? Because frankly, it was a, I mean, we were terrible that first season of, of Gillingham and actually played some quite decent football while you were managing the first half of that following season. We beat some quite decent teams. I mean, remember beating Rotherham four-one at home and Brentford who were doing really well at home on Boxing Day and actually had some really good results. And it kind of turned around from the first season when we were dreadful. And the the other thing was around one of your signings, who obviously was a certain certain player from Stansted who we signed and. Uh, pre-season you were there who went on to make 350 400 appearances amazingly in Gary Hart and how it what it you know it must be really good to know that one of your signings carried on to all the way through to for so long at with Dean and was out at Albion for 10 years well I've mentioned Jeff Wood and Jeff was Jeff was brilliant to to have because he knew the players more down south than I did at that particular time and he'd mentioned Harty and we got him in a played him in a game uh, in the reserves um, and and he was he was tremendous and and it's from Tremendous character and, and and goal scorer. I think we gave him was it a grand and something for him, didn't we? That's you know, I mean, it was just it's almost equivalent to my point to Shandy when I went from Ensford to to Port Vale. Um, but it was it was difficult because you've got now you know unless you're southern based and a club didn't have a lot of money at that time. How can you move? How can you move players from north to south? And you know, which you which you obviously have to sometimes. You can't just keep by getting players from down south. Jeff Minton was a good player, and I took Jeff to, to Port Vale eventually, didn't I? Where he, when his contract was up, and uh, it, we just got it moving. It was a shame. Shame is it's the wrong word in a way because football's football, and you have to make decisions. But I, I genuinely mean that 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 was the toughest decision I ever ever had to make. And what about the term, in terms of ranking in your achievements? I mean, it's, while obviously you didn't actually win anything with Albion, I mean, to turn it around from the situation it was in to being in the top top six was pretty pretty impressive. It was. It was. I was proud of that and what we'd done. And I say we when I'm, I'm including Jeff in, in, in that again. Uh, and Ken Craggs, who became my, my chief scout. And, you know, it, it was a team effort. Um, but, it, I mean, the, the, the one game now we beat Brentford on Boxing Day. I mean, it... I give the lads Christmas Day off. Some people give Christmas Day off. I very rarely did. and uh, But that day I did. I gave them Christmas Day off. I said, look after yourselves. I then have got to travel from Manchester to Gillingham on, on Boxing Morning for a 12 o'clock kick, I think it was. And um, I said, look, you know, look after yourselves. No drinking or have a glass with the, with the family and, 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 and look after yourselves. So... Um, the chairman of, of um, Brentford at that time was was um, Ron Nodes, who'd been chairman of, of, of Palace and what have you. And he was at Brentford at the time and he just sacked his manager just before that game or a few weeks before and he took over. Anyway, we smashed him 4 nil. He said to me, um, did you do preparation-wise, Brian? I said, I gave him the day off. He said, well, I got my name. See, now he'd become the manager. He'd sacked the manager, so he'd become the manager for a few weeks. And he said, oh, I got my name. We trained properly on Christmas morning. Went to Gillingham and stayed overnight. So they did it properly, as you, you probably would want to. I'd give them a day, players a day off, which sometimes players react that way because they think, well, I think that's fair. And we beat them 4-0. So it just shows you, doesn't it, the mentality of, of football players and football uh, but we did have some good results. We had it. Richie Barker was playing well at that time. And Richie was one where they went, when I said, I'm keeping him, he went, well, he ain't done that well. And I went, well, that's my decision. And so I kept him and he did do well for me. The bear. 
Yeah. 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 He was he was a good player. I, I have to say, I was gutted when he left as well. I was thinking, oh no, because things were on the downer. But it's one of those one of those scenarios, isn't it? As you say, it's a tough decision anyway, and um, but it's completely understandable. Um, I think really all things considered, but um, after, after Port Vale, Brian, you um, later then went on to manage Macclesfield town between 04 and 06. And then after doing some other bits, you uh, returned to them in 2012. Um, and well, it's tragic what's happened to them, hasn't it? They're just last year. Um, they folded, which is such a shame. It was crazy times again. I was at work after Port Vale. I, I, I walked out of Port Vale. I, I virtually resigned. I couldn't work with it. They got taken over by a supporters group, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't work with a guy that was meant to be my chairman. It was a personality clash, and I, I chose not to stay. So uh, we sorted it out. I left, and I was, I was quite enjoying my life uh, at that time. It was coming towards the end of the season. Thought I'd be looking for something in the in next start of next season, and I got a phone call from Mac. I think it was five games to go at the bottom of the league. Would I go and take over at Mac and see what I can do? And I looked at the situation and people thought I was crazy. Uh, people I've known for a long time, what are you doing? And I went, well, I'm not working and, and I'll try and keep them up, you know, and I changed the system straight away. We won the first game at York 1-0. We won the next one. We won the next one. We drew the next one. And, and we were safe with one game to go. Uh, so I kept them up and then, they talked me into into staying for uh, another season. We got in the playoffs. Uh, Big John Parkin got sent off at Swansea with a few games to go. And it, it, I believe if we hadn't got sent off, we beat them that night, that we'd have gone up automatic. And uh, I, I had a good time there. The following season, I had to sell John. He went to my old club, Old, old City, for about 250 grand, which is an awful lot of money then for, for Mac. And uh, once you lose, you start to lose your best players. You, you have no chance. And then we didn't start off well, and and I left. I left Mac. I shouldn't have gone back the second time. I say I'd never, never only regrets. That is one regret I do have that I went back the second time because I kept them up. First time with five games to go, they had a few more than that. The second time I went back, uh, but they didn't have as many good players or players that wanted to to, to particularly do it. So that that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a shame to see what's happened actually in the recent times with them. But uh, it's the state of affairs, isn't it nowadays? Um, what you've been doing recently, though, let's talk about your book now. So you've you've had the book um, Two Thousand Games: um, A Life in Football, isn't it? I think it's called, um, which um, has just been released. I think late last year. Is that right? Um, so yeah, how did that can, come? Can I, I, can I show? Can you see it there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I've got it. See it. See it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Good. And it's it's published by. I've just but, but, noticed what, actually. What, what, by what, sorry, I was going to say it's published by Pitch Publishing, which I think is um, something to do with Paul Camelin, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It is. So his. Uh, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What happened was that. Um, a guy called Tim Rich, uh, a writer, um, he, he was doing a book on Man City managers. And, and obviously it was my chapter and he rang me up and said, could I come round your home and go through it with you before before we print it? said he'd come round and he went, wow, he said, you've got some good stories, haven't you? And I went, well, I should have after 2000. And he went, looked it up and he went, wow, 2000 games. There's only Alex Ferguson and Graham Turner 
done that amount of games as a player and, a, and as a manager and as a, as a director of football stroke uh, coordinator as I was called at Southend and uh, he said that would be a great title for the book so and um, um, they tell me well it's Uh, such good times at and um, hopefully we'll do that one day so uh, it was just something to do that really I wanted to do but he, he, Tim always said don't do it till the end because there's always the last chapter so I, I, I wouldn't say that I would never go back in the game because I probably would if it was the right thing to do but I've had a fantastic innings in football as, um, I, I wouldn't change many things very very little um, and I've had a wonderful career yeah, absolutely. And I think um, look forward to reading it. I haven't read it yet, but I look forward to reading it, certainly. Uh, I know Andy's kicking himself. He didn't get it for Christmas, actually. He didn't put it on his <laughs> Christmas wish list. <laughs> that's, that's one for your birthday then, probably, whenever that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it looks it looks pretty interesting. Um, certainly 2,000 games is some achievement. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, fair play to you for that. And I mean, in relation to that, what do you think of the things of which you're most proud, both as a player and, and as a manager? And have you got any regrets on or off the pitch from your time? I'm sure this is all in the book, but uh, for anyone that hasn't read it yet. I think one of the biggest things that um, gives me the most satisfaction is to, to do over a thousand games as a manager. Because mm. there's only, I don't know, about 30 done it now, maybe a couple more or a couple less, but there's only that number ever done it you know to, to, to manage a thousand games takes some doing because particularly today because there's no longevity with managers mm-hmm. I had five years or I had five at Oxford with Kevin Maxwell who was a fant- again fantastic chairman that uh, never got involved in any team selections buying or selling he let me manage the football club um, five years with Bill Ballard Port Vale exactly the same so to have three chairmen for five year stints mm. is unheard of in these days. It's unheard of. And David Pleat had that at Luton with his, with Mr. Mortimer, who's chairman. And, it, and, and, you know, when you, yeah, if you mess up, you mess up and you get the sack. That's, that's how it should be. But to get, to get sometimes people, you know, think they know more than you, then, and then I'm not one of those that, that I'll never, li- I listen to David Pleat now and his knowledge is, and Alan Murray, because their knowledge is unbelievable. But when I get somebody that's not played or, or managed and to try and tell them what to do, then I, I have no time. Yeah. So I've, 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 I've in, in, in that, so in the book, obviously those three five-year stints that play a big part of that. But again, satisfaction. And I spoke to one this morning, one of my cousin who played in the team, shows a photograph of our school team at 11, and he was in that team. And, 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 and I still speak to three or four of those players now or, or mates now. So that that to go back and just just write about those days it was was great satisfaction. Oh, that's great, and I mean I know you did say um, in regards to the bit about regrets, you didn't uh, you don't like to look back. I guess if if there was, I mean maybe something like the cup final that you mentioned earlier, not not playing that, but um, in general, no no major regrets then from uh, from your time. No, because although I didn't play in the cup final. I went to Luton and got a medal for winning the championship, which which exactly. was surely yeah. So, so yeah. that 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 was 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 brilliant, you know. And then to go and play another 
another two years in the top flight when obviously Mike Bailey thought I couldn't play at the top flight anymore. Again, again, you know, prove people wrong. And I, I like, I like doing, I've always liked doing that, proving people wrong and, and showing, you know, a bit of character. And that's what I liked in players. I like characters. I like, I don't mind managing egos or characters. I think, I think the game needs them. Yeah. And I think that's right. And as you said, if you, if you don't, don't do one thing, um, something else might happen. If you do do something, something else might not happen. You, you never know. You, you, by, by closing one door, you open another one, don't you? And you, what, what you missed out on, you can never really be sure. Um, in terms of other funny memories, strange occurrences or um, interesting stories, is there anything else that stands out from your uh, career? Well, yeah, it was funny yesterday. I, I'm, well, not funny. I'm watching Lincoln play the other day. And I don't know if I put this in my book, actually. Um, but we were playing Lincoln on Tuesday night um, at Sinsel Bank. And we were going to travel up in the morning because that's what we normally travel up in the morning, late morning, have a bit of lunch, go to bed in the afternoon, get a pre-match, play the game, and then come back right after the game. Anyway, we, we got a tip for a horse. Um, we, were at the, we, we were at the ground and I was always the first there. I was always early. And uh, we had a tip from a horse from someone. And I said to the player, shall we back it? So we had a whip round. He wanted to back it. And we went around the bookies, around the corner from the Goldstone. And, and there was a Brighton fan in, 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 the, in, the, um, in the bookies. And he, and he, he was made up that, that he, we were talking. I told him about the tip. And he, he went, right, he said, I'm going to give you my lucky mascot. It was a little sphinx. He said, I'm going to give you my lucky mascot. And I want you to, to, you, you to have it to keep. I said, OK, I will do. So... Sphinx has been on my key ring since that, and that was 1977. That's been on my key ring every day of my life. The horse won. The horse won. I scored a 30-yard volley that night. We won 2 nothing. Steve. I forgot the other goal, but I, that might be wrong, but I scored. So that lucky Sphinx. So the horse won. I scored the goal. We won the game, and that Sphinx has stayed with me ever since. I don't think, that was, I don't, I don't think that's in the book either, that little story. Excellent. A bit of an exclusive, isn't it, that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that's, um, yeah, yeah, brilliant. So lucky charms. That's always a good thing, isn't it? Um, are you quite superstitious, do you think, overall? I'm not really, but that, 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 that used to be that. with me every Saturday. That, that, that Sphinx went everywhere I went, and I've still got it today. And, um, yeah, just little things like that. I mean, this, this, I'm, not, I'm not a superstitious person, really. Um I mean, there's just so many days that you have in football that, um, mm. that are just incredible. The chairman was fantastic at, at, at Brighton. Uh, you know, he'd say, he used to call me Capitano and I'd see him because he had his office on the, on the ground at, at, at that early time. And I used to see him in the morning, he'd go, morning, Capitano, anything you want? And I'd say, occasionally, I'd just throw something and go, we could do it a golf day, chairman. And he'd say, right, you, you organise it. Uh, the board, the, the directors are going to play in it, and the staff are going to play in it, as well as the players. You, you, you book it, and I'll, I'll pay for it, or, we'll, or the club will pay for it. And we did, and and we'd we'd go and play, say, say pl play the Dyke Golf Club. I'd book a day there, and we'd have lunch together, and probably get a couple of trophies for whoever won it. And it was just, um, just unbelievable times, you know, um, the the things that we would do down there. 
Superb. So you didn't have any um, you didn't have any superstitions getting on the pitch either. You didn't have to put one shoe on before the other one in a particular order or anything like that. Well, or say something thing. as you went out. No, because I was always captain. When I saw, I always went out first. Mm. It was just one of those things. Yeah, where, true. When I, be, when I became player manager, although I wasn't captain, I made somebody else captain, and I always used to be last out. I always wanted to be last out. But ah. <laughs> again, I don't know if I put this in my book, but Glenn Wilson, God bless him, Glenn had been a player coach, physio, everything at, at Brighton of Albion. And he used to stand by the door as we were walking out at the Goldstone with a bottle of scotch and you had to have a sip of scotch just before you walked out. Seriously, you're laughing. And, and I, can't, I can't stand scotch. I can't drink scotch. And, but you'd have a drink of it and it, it just, oh, you just go, you, you felt like you'd fight the world. And and everybody, that was, that was what it was. It, it was... A ritual that every all the players had to have a little sip of whiskey out of it on the way out. Superb. No wonder we were fighting. No wonder we were fighting on the pitch. <laughs> and the things you look back on um, with most fondness um, from your playing days, when you're reflecting on um, or any any of the uh, period of your career, actually, what, what what do you look on if you had to pick one thing with most fondness? Is there an individual moment's time? Period. Um, my debut at Port Vale, obviously, and I played against Archie Gemmell. He was impressed oh. at Port Vale. We beat them one nil. Yeah. Obviously, that was a great moment. I, that was my debut. Uh, my first goal was a goal at Berry for Port Vale. Uh, going to Brighton, um, just the first season, get promotion. You know, because never had promotion before. It was just third division, third division, third division all the time at Port Vale, and then yeah. to go and play in such a good team and. As I said, we should have won the league. Mansfield won it. We should have we beat Mansfield five at home, five nil, and we, we should have won it that year. Um, then obviously going up, missing out on promotion. Well, that was a hard day where we missed out. That was tears. We missed out on promotion. Uh, we thought we were up. Thought they'd scored. It was Tottenham v Southampton, wasn't it? We thought yeah. they'd scored and we were up. Uh, but and 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 well played to the gaffer because he he, he kept virtually the same team added. A few more, and he, he always he put some good players in, and then to go and do it to follow, which which is a hard thing to do, is to go and follow it up again, and then yeah. but have to go, but have to go to Newcastle and, and win the last game, you know that 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 takes some determination. And Loro didn't yeah. play that; they broke his arm, and you know we were missing him because he was such a good player. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's a parallel, isn't there, with us getting promoted into the top flight this time round as well. It's the same thing. We went again after Crawley missing out and managed to get over the line. So it's interesting how many parallels there are. I'm hoping um, if we go on a cup run, it's not going to end with us losing a cup final and getting relegated. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, but um, turning things back to that, actually, the Albion nowadays, what, what are your thoughts on the club um, so far in general, in the top flight so far this season in particular? Um, obviously, Graham Potter's come in and trying to change the philosophy of the football club. Uh, Chris Newton did a great job keeping him in the, in the top flight, which takes some doing. Um, I had Graham as a player at Macclesfield Town in my first stint. He was oh, my did left you? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, was my, he was my left wing back, good footballer. Uh, very quiet. Um Quite quite person, went to university, did lots of other things, went to Sweden and did what he did in Sweden, which was incredible. I sat with him at uh, at, at the Etihad a couple of years ago uh, when he uh, 
Well, how long's he been there now? Is this his second full season? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, he came to, well, it must have been last season then. Well, yes, it was, obviously. He came up to watch Bright, uh, uh, Man City play because Brighton were due to play Man City. Hmm. And uh, and I sat with him in the next so, I go to Man City an awful lot. We're not working and they look after me fantastic, as Brighton do when I come down, as Luton do, as Port Vale do. So, but um, he's um, he's trying to take it to a different level in terms of the way they play, uh, possession based. And that's why it was a tough game last night to play, to keep possession the way, try and play on that on that pitch. Um, but he did, he did well at Swansea. So he's trying to change the, 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 the way they play. Um, and they've got to try and get to that next level now, haven't they? And and I would love to see them do it. The, the, the owners, as I've said, the, the Bloom family are, are fantastic. I keep in touch as much as I can. And 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 I would love to come down and and, and obviously do the book, sign my book, to, to, but to watch them play again. We had a reunion not long ago. Um, they were actually playing Newcastle last again last season. And it was uh, anniversary of when we did what we'd done. So all the lads came down. We had a great reunion. The Blooms looked after us fantastically well at the football club and and, and it was a, it was a great day just to walk out on that pitch I would love to play it on there never mind walk on it it's uh, it's fantastic but I'm, pl- I'm pleased to doing well but they've got to now get to that next level I mean they, you know they're, they're what the fourth bottom at the moment and yeah. they can't afford they can't afford to uh, to be down there they need to be better than that yeah uh, what's your hunch um, for for Albion also for man City one of your former clubs uh, in terms of the title race, what's your hunch on both those matters? Do you reckon it's a Brighton survival Man City title win? Double? I think they'll be close again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. listen, yeah, obviously I want Brighton to stay up and, and I think they will. I think they will stay up. Um, I think they've got players who are capable of winning games, but obviously they've got to get people scoring more goals and sharing more goals. Um, Man City are just on a roll at the moment. They play some unbelievable football. And, and in my opinion, Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfield player in, in the world at the moment. Um, he's just incredible. And I've had the Agueros and, and now Foden's coming through. I met him recently at a, at, at a, in town. I've never, I've never met Pep before, but I met him at, a, it was my 70th birthday at um, Vincent Companies. They announced it was his testimonial year and he had a big, big dinner in town. And I, it was my 70th birthday, Garolinica. And the new Ferris from Radio Manchester were doing the all the all the stuff on the on the uh, stage, and you Ferris. So we've got an ex-manager in today, uh, tonight. Brian Horton, Brian take a bow. All the players were in there. The wives, uh, Noel Gallagher did a piece because it was for Veeds and Company for his testimonial night. And uh, later on in the night, I'm talking. It's getting on for midnight, and I feel somebody on my left hand shoulder, and and, it, and it's Pep Guardiola, and. He's come over. He just said, "I've come over just to say happy birthday, Brian." And uh, oh, I was wow. like, "Oh, oh, wow!" I was like, um, "I was like a young kid again, getting somebody's autograph." And he had a photograph of me and my wife. And uh, I just said to him, "I'd said I come to City a lot at the moment uh, and, and love the football you're playing, and I'd like to come and see you train." He said, "Any time," but obviously the pandemic stopped it. I said, "I haven't been able to go yet." Um, I go almost the 23s when I can, the 21s and City because I live, I live that close. But I, st- I still go to other games when it was allowable. Well, obviously not since this mm. pandemic's on, but um, they, they play some unbelievable football. Yeah, they do, don't they? They're a cracking team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they win it now, given all things considered, I think, with 
Liverpool getting hindered by injuries and lack of form. City are on their coattails now. Um, well, next up for City, of course, is the little matter of Brighton. <laughs> Can we have we got any chance of getting a result there? It's going to be tough, uh, well, isn't it? Well, I hope they come and have a go because what what happens? And I said I did I did I did the the um, the radio for Radio Manchester, which I said before, and I'm doing the Palace game, which is next weekend. Yeah. Um, sides just come and defend. They just come and put ten men behind the ball. Alan Murray would have never done that. David Pleat would have never done that, and I would never have done that. And they think, right, we'll go for a point, and if we can get a nil nil, and they have what ninety percent possession and ten percent for the opposition, and sooner or later, they're going to score. Generally, aren't they? They, mm. I know, I know, sort of Newcastle, um, uh, West Brom went to Liverpool the other week and did it, didn't they? Where they played, yeah. you know, they said they played six four none when everybody yeah. behind the ball and get a goal off a corner. Um, I think if you do that, you're asking for trouble at, 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 to go to the Etihad. And so you might as well go and have a go. And, and mm. it, it, obviously, it'll be a tough game for Brighton. But um, I want them both to do well. I want all my old clubs to do well. I don't look back at one and think, mm. oh, I hope they get relegated. I hope they don't do well. The, the, there's not one that I, 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 I wish that on. And Andy Peter, I don't know if you if you fancy our chances because we did we have taken the game to City before it didn't work out too well actually in the end although we were actually unlucky with the scoreline in one of the previous games. Um, any any hopes from you guys that we can get a result? <laughs> Shake of the head from Peter. <laughs> for tomorrow it sounds or Wednesday it sounds like no Basuma obviously no Lalana no yeah empty no um, no. Uh, Oh, well. oh, no, Welbeck. So, yeah, I don't... Yeah, really... yeah I think we've got to probably it's... keep our powder dry for, for the weekend, maybe. Andy, Andy. I guess two things are going to happen. One, we've got to take our chances. Secondly, we've got to defend set-ball situations. And thirdly, we always look a little bit better when we play away from home, so you never know. Yeah. But um, I'm, not, I'm not predicting a Brighton win, I have to say. No, I'll, I'll go for a 2-0 City win, I think, in this one, but um, I'm hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> and I, in fact, I could be wrong. I might be happy I'm wrong if it's... Uh, it, could, it could be worse, couldn't it? <laughs> we'll see. Um, any other questions for Brian, guys, before we wrap up? No, no I think we've, we've covered quite a bit of ground. Thanks so much but, as well. It's been really interesting chatting with you. It guys. has. It has. We could chat for hours, but we probably better get back to our respective spouses and so on uh, <laughs> shortly. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's been absolutely brilliant to give us so much time, Brian. Really appreciate it. Um, the book, just to remind people, if you haven't got it, why not, I say, uh, even though I haven't got it yet either. Um, but it's called 2000 Games, A Life in Football. It's available at all good bookshops and online stores, etc. I'm sure. Well, bookshops, you can't go and get one at the moment anyway um, with this lockdown. But um, yeah, available online, I'm sure, from all good outlets. And um on that note, I think I just wanted to finish one quote, actually, from our friend Spencer, who I believe you know, and who wrote a chapter in his book, A Few Good Men About You. Um, the, uh, the beginning of his chapter reads, in 2006, while interviewing Alan Mullery on the subject of his recently published autobiography, I asked the former Albion manager exactly how influential Brian Horton had been, both as a captain and player. He was the manager on the field, replied the um, former Spurs and England midfield star. He was just a natural born leader and without a doubt, oh, sorry, um, yeah, without a doubt, the best captain I ever had. We couldn't have achieved what we did without him because everybody followed um, his example. Um, and he was a fantastic player. The only time we ever really faulted as a team was when he was missing, which 
uh, says everything. And I think that's a good way to end. You really were a legend for the club, Brian. Um, I think you're loved by all who remember you. And um, we look forward, hopefully, to seeing you again at some point. We've been hearing you might be able to come to the Seagulls Over London meeting. Uh, more likely it'll be a Zoom, really, by the way things are at the moment. But uh, but either way round, thank you very much for joining us. And um, from Andy and from Peter and from I, um, we could just leave with the usual words on our podcast. Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.